It's Wednesday night, and we are in a subject that's kind of reverse of what we've been studying. And uh, I have talked to a fellow here a couple of weeks ago that got angry when I had some had some t-shirts on and on my t-shirt it had god does not love everybody and he called that heresy because he likes to think that god loves everybody in the world and god doesn't and i quoted there in romans 9 where the bible says god loved jacob and hated esau before either one were born for either one had done any good or evil did you know that I'm trying to explain to you why people don't believe in predestination. They don't like what they think it means. And they only think something because they won't let you finish quoting to them what it actually says and defining the words. And what, what the Bible says, everything that I teach has to do with predestination. I've got a t-shirt that says predestination is the only truth the reason i've got that on there is because predestination is not the word predestinate predestinate means to pre destiny well that's kind of an erroneous meaning Uh, That's not a good definition. The word is not predestinate. Every time you find it, it is a form of the word pro, horizo. And I'm trying to show you why people hate it. I'm going to try to explain why I believe they don't like it when you start talking to them. They don't want to listen to you say what it actually means by definition. This guy I was talking to, he kept saying, you're a heretic, you're involved in heresy. And just ignorant as the day is long, just if he will not learn, he's not just ignorant, he is stupid. Or you shouldn't call people names like that. No, he is really stupid. That word in the Old Testament is the word ba'ar. In the New Testament, same word, it is the word alogos. This is in the Greek, and this is in the Hebrew. Old Testament written in Hebrew, New Testament written in Greek. And it means to have the understanding of a brute Beast, an animal that cannot learn. If a man will not hear, he cannot learn. It's impossible for him to learn because God hasn't given him ears to hear. When you look up the word brutish in the Old Testament, it will say to have the understanding of a brute animal or to be dull of hearing. Of course, hear doesn't mean just to hear the vibration in your ear. Hear is the word. It's a word that means to be obedient. It's the word akuo. Akuo in the Greek. 
and it is a form of hoop A-K-O-U-O and I'm talking about obedience Hupakul means to hear under or be subordinate to if you're a subordinate on your job you've got somebody you have to answer to and obey what they're telling you your boss particularly subordinate if you're subordinate you're going to be if you're subordinate to Christ in the Bible hear and obey have to do with subordinates we are predestined this is what they won't listen to they'll say this fellow said well God knew what would happen and what wouldn't happen the reason he knows what will happen and what won't happen and who will accept him who will accept him and who will not you have to study everything else in context of that and who will not there is none that seeketh after God the Bible tells us in Romans the third chapter none seeks God there's none good not one therefore God knows who will accept him nobody and who will not accept him nobody's going to accept him if he does not pick a people out here's what people think predestination is they think that's God choosing some people down the road here to be in heaven they think well y'all believe no matter what you do God has chosen Adolf Hitler to go to heaven and he's chosen Billy Graham to go to heaven and he's chosen a bunch of preachers to go to heaven and he's chosen uh, Jeffrey Dahmer to go to heaven and he's chosen a bunch of crooks and criminals and maybe Al Capone will be there that's not predestination that's idiocy it's utter insanity if you think that's what we believe then you're crazy because every word in the verse has an exact meaning you can't just come up and say y'all mean this I had a guy call me one night and said you believe that you get to go to heaven no matter what you do I said I do not he said yes you do I said I do not <laughs> I just yelled at him just it's insane you got to take every word separately the Bible says for Romans 8 and 29 It says for. Well, that is a conjunction. That is what you call a subordinate conjunction. Subordinate. It has the basic same meaning as here, under, which means to be subordinate and obey, has the basic same meaning and for is going to obey what was just said in the previous verses it has to do with groaning groaning is the noise you make when you're going through the straight gate 
Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few will find it because they don't want to hear the truth of the Word of God and the definitions. This guy I talked to was just a total idiot, ignoramus. He just wouldn't listen to nothing. He'd talk over me, yelling real loud. And I just I kept saying, I kept saying to him, God said he loved Jacob and hated Esau before either one were born, before either one had done any good or evil. And he just pretended that that wasn't even there and just said, well, God knew who would accept him down the road. That's right, nobody. Since there's none that seeketh after God, I didn't say that. Paul said that and David said that. Here's what it says. For... You're going to be groaning, going through the straight gate. Straight is straight gate and groan are basically the same word. Groan is the verb form of straight, which is the noun. Straight is the word stenos. And groan is the word stenazo. Notice they look like they're spelled just about right, same way except the wordings are changed. One is the noun, the other is the verb. So, when he says for, he's talking about all the groaning that we go through, through tribulation, which is going to cause us, it's going to cause us for whom he did foreknow. It does not say For what God foreknew? Did God know what? He knew everything. How did he know? He ordained it all. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. And everything we're to give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Everything you go through is for your good. Now, when you're young, you won't think that's true until you get older. Everything I've been through has been for my good. It has actually made me stop and accept everything else that comes along. When you get to be 80-ish, when you get to be 65-ish, you'll come to that place. You start coming to that place and i got to just accept things and you quit fighting. Fighting is a part of unbelief. When you learn to, Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am, there to therewith to be content. He said that in Philippians four eleven. Philippians four eleven. Paul could not have said that on his first missionary journey when he got up here to Antioch. He was brand new in the ministry and he has not learned what he learned in Philippians four eleven. He was after years of trials and persecution. He's in jail, being held by the Romans for his execution date. That's the marvelous thing about knowing what the what the prison epistles are about. Paul's attitude is totally different here than it was over here in Acts four and Acts the fourth chapter. Not the fourth chapter. Acts thirteen forty eight. When he said that 
that everything has been arranged for us to believe and we're going to go through this he was being taken in Acts thirteen forty eight and run out of town for the first time uh, from Antioch, the first place he went to on his missionary journeys. He had not learned. He said, I have learned. This is years and years after this here. It's, it's a long time after. He's waiting to die when he said, I have learned Manthano. It is a form of Mathichuo. We get our word mathematics from the word Mathichuo. Or Mathetes. Mathetes is the word disciple. And Mathichuo means to teach. And Manthano means to learn. And the Bible says that you cannot, we get our word mathematics from that. And in mathematics, you have to go, if you're taking geometry, you got to go by the axioms. That's a mathematical law. You hear me say, if equals are substitute for equal, the results are equal. You hear me say things like, I, I quote at the Pythagorean theorem, that you have to know the Pythagorean theorem to take trigonometry. I took trigonometry in high school, and I liked it, and it was very interesting. But if you don't know the Pythagorean theorem, you're not going to do any good taking taking uh, uh, trigonometry. You, you, in trigonometry, right triangles are everything. That's the whole, the whole score of trig. You've got a right angle is a ninety degree angle, ninety degrees. And Pythagorean theorem might can help me on this. The square root or the square of the hypotenuse. is equal to the sum of the square roots of both sides. So if you want to know what this length is, now what good is that going to do you? Well, it don't do you any good unless you're flying an airplane or you're making the pitch on a roof. If you're flying an airplane and you're 5,000 square feet in the air and you've got to hit this runway right here, you got to know how slow you got to slow down so that you won't crash and you got to know your altitude so you can hit that runway at exactly the right time and land the plane. Now, they don't usually do that today. They've got it programmed in the computers, but you can't land a plane without the Pythagorean theorem. Somebody had to program that in there. Somebody. Now, that's the way the Bible is. You've got laws and rules. If you want to find out that hypotenuse right there, which is the side opposite the 90-degree angle, you can figure out if you know that. They used to have the pilots had to know 
took an arbitrary in World War II before they could fly a plane. You have to have that. Well, that's the math to taste. That's mathematics. That's just like axioms in, in trigonometry. And you would, you'd come on up here, if you kept that line going up here, well, if a, if a transversal bisects parallel lines, this line is parallel to this right here, then opposite angles are equal. So you can work that into figuring out how to land that plane there. Now, I'm not good at plotting these things. I'd have to go back and review my trick, but Michael, too, that's the truth. He's got a master's degree in this. You've got to know the laws. If Next time you get on a plane flying somewhere, ask the pilot, do you know anything about trigonometry? Well, is it programmed into your computer? If it's not, I don't want to fly here. Because he may, may crash before you get to where you're going. Somebody knows it, that's for sure. Now, now that's called mathematical laws. And if you don't define things, mathetes, by the laws of reasoning in the Bible, you cannot come up with the answers. Now, where was I? You have to know that at the beginning of Paul's journeys, he was not taking his cross like he was by the time he gets up here in Philippians or in First and Second Timothy. When he's writing to Timothy in First and Second Timothy and to Titus in Crete, and he's writing to Timothy at Ephesus, these are prison epistles. They have a lot different meaning than when Paul first started his journey. Now, here's what he said. I'm in prison waiting to die. They're going to execute me. I have learned in whatsoever state I am. It took me learning with these mathetes. I'm a good disciple. It means a learner. But you can't learn without knowing without knowing the mathematical structure of Scripture. Everything has to balance and has to... You don't have to remember the Pythagorean theorem, but Pythagoras knew it. <laughs> I promise you, he's the guy that discovered it. So, when he said this, you got to know when things happen. When Paul... Well, let me finish this. When he said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, here he is, ready to die, and he had to learn this. He didn't know this back here in Acts 13, 48. He didn't know that. He didn't know that in Acts 14, 22, we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. That was the end of his first journey. This is the end of his life. And he said... I've learned to be content. A-U-T-A-R-K-E-S. Autarkase is the word content. I put this on the board, but I've never gotten this... I've never gotten this definitive on it. That's why it's good to know these dates that I give you a lot. 
I've learned to be content, autar case. It, it comes from auto, A-U-T-O, and archaeo. It means to push away archaeo, push away, or ward off self. The only reason he's learned that, he's in prison waiting to die. That's the only reason he's learned it. If you get old like me, you can accept stuff easier than you could when you were 30 or 40. It's a lot easier when you just give up and say, Lord, I surrender. And I have done that. He's put me in the hospital and killing me. And I have put my hands there and say, I give up. If you've never been there. But you don't give up until you're really ready to give up. All right. Now, that means to push away self. Now, I was getting at something. You have to understand. There's another thing. I have said this to you a thousand times. When Paul said, Ephesians 4 and 5, This is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 55 A.D. That's some years after Jesus dies on the cross in 33 A.D. This is mathematical thinking. In 33 A.D., he was nailed to the cross. When they wanted to do away with one contract... They would take the parties out in public and tell the original contracting parties, two men will have a contract. They would act out the contract. And they would, when they wanted to invalidate the contract, they would take the two contracting parties, two parties, along with the two original Witnesses. They had to have two witnesses to every contract. And they would tell the two contracting parties that had the contract with each other, are you wanting to invalidate this contract? They'd say yes. And they'd tell the two witnesses, you were here prior to this contract when it was originally originated five, ten years ago. They'd say yes. They'd say, and you're all ready to invalidate. They'd say yes. And so he's, so they would drive a nail through it, and the Bible says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. There's two places there's a handwriting. One is on tables of stone, written with the finger of God, and the other is on fleshy tables of our hearts. It doesn't take a genius to figure out fleshy tables of heart. It doesn't take a brilliant person to know the one he will blot out is not the fleshy tables of the heart. It is on tables of stone. And the thing that was on tables of stone, one of the things was all the washings. They would wash their vegetables and wash the priest and wash everything ritualistically. But we're talking about 33 A.D. when Jesus was nailed to the cross, blotting out the handwriting of rituals, which was against us. It was contrary to us. Took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So when you get into 50 to 55 A.D., 
which is some years after Jesus is nailed to the cross, Paul says there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. All the other baptisms have been nailed to the cross, and the only one existing when Paul said there's one baptism is blood. He's washed for our sins in his own blood. There's no more water. And that's the truth. Now, I'm wanting to try to help you to learn how to think. The Bible says, For whom he did foreknow. Did God know what? Yes, he knew all the what's, because he ordained all the what's. The Bible says he's declared The end from the beginning. Isaiah 46 and 10. But you can't get one of these people say they don't believe in predestination to actually listen to this. He's declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times. That means everything back as far as you can think. From ancient times, everything that's not yet done. The problem with these people say they don't like predestination. They're not going to listen to this explanation. You know what they're like? You say, well, the Bible says for whom he did foreknow. And they may as well stick their fingers in their ears. And go la 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 I don't hear it, I don't hear it. That's what they're saying. One lady told me one day when I said, God loved Jacob and hated Esau when Rebecca had conceived by she went la 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 I don't want to hear that, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it. And I said, You are an ignorant person. She said, You don't have to insult me. I said, Ignorant means unlearned. Just idiocy. They don't want to hear definitions of anything. You understand that? You can't explain this. And people think we believe whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Foreknow. He also did predestinate. And they think the sentence ends there. Predestinate is a verb. And if it's an action verb, there has to be a recipient to the action. There has to be a direct object. Direct object. So God has predestined us, the people he foreknew, you can't explain this to people. They don't want to hear it. They don't care what it says. And they may as well stick their fingers in your wife. And well, she might as well stick her fingers in here and start going la 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 la. But she doesn't remind. I think when I talk to her, and she's ignorant. She's ignorant and proud of her ignorance. But they don't have ears to hear. They don't have ears, and she don't want to hear. Right. That's true. 
She she probably don't care about the Pythagorean theorem either. No. I doubt seriously. Or if if a transversal bisects parallel lines, the opposite angles are equal. When I say that, that's that's a parallel lines, and this is a transversal. That means opposite angles are equal. Supplementary angles are equal to 180 degrees. That's a straight line. And complementary angles are equal. This one and this one is equal. That's complementary angles. And that's mathematics, whether you like it or not. Isn't it, Mike? I guess he's at back there. And that's exactly the truth. Anyway. And they're never going to get... These people that hate predestination are never going to get what you're predestined to, unto. And this has everything to do with everything I teach. Everything I teach. There's nothing that this is not connected to. When I say predestination is the only truth, that's because predestination is the light Predest- we're, we're predestined to be in the light. Prohorizo is the word predestinate, and it's a form of pro, meaning before. That's the same word as our word pre. A prefix on a word, that's exactly what pro is. It's a prefix. It means to be for horizo. That's the word predestinate. To be forebound. God is not wishing we would get inside the boundary. He has predetermined his family to be in the boundary. Whether anybody likes that or not. And since none seeks after God, nobody seeks God. If God doesn't come after a family, nobody's going to heaven. And people think, well, that's unfair. Unfair. God is the only person that God is unfair to in this is the believer. If he was fair to us, he'd send us all to hell. That's what he would do. You've got you got vessels. of wrath that's the majority of the world fitted to destruction and they're also called natural brute beasts this is in Romans 9.22 and then you've got natural brute beast natural brute beast and they are this is in 2nd Peter 2.12 you got natural brute alogos alogos means no no word of God in their hearts Logos is the word word. The Alpha Primitive negates that. There's no word of God in their heart. God didn't write it there. So, 
people trying to figure God out and how he thinks. I said last week, you can't think like God. He said you can't think like me. Your thoughts aren't my thoughts. I don't try to figure God out. If he wants to send everybody to hell, that's his business, not mine. What I do when I think about this, I get on my face before God. I say, oh, God, have you ever just been thinking about this? And it would hit you and say, you could have chose my brother instead of me. You could have chose my sister instead of me. You can't get mad at those people that can't hear because God made them that way. Did you notice Jesus never got mad and angry at people that crucified him? Paul didn't get mad at people, at people that were trying to kill him. He'd just say, he would say, I was pressed out of measure. He says that over in First uh, Corinthians. In First Corinthians. I like this. He says, uh, not First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, excuse me. Second Corinthians 1. Now, why was he being pressed out of measure? He says, verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, our thalipsis. What is that word? Tribulation. Same word as tribulation. T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. When somebody just can't hear this, you can't get mad at them. You can look at them and say, well, if you continue in this journey, you're going to die in your sin and be in hell one day. And I won't be able to help you. And God won't help you. Get as serious as you can get. Get gentle as you can get and be as firm as you can be. So you'll die in your sin and you will be in hell one day. And that preacher you got can't save you. And he says, ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. The word pressed out is the word bareo. P-A-R-E-O. It means the load was so heavy, I couldn't hardly bear it when I was over there in Asia, and they were chasing me, trying to kill me. He didn't pick one man out and give him thunder and say, and he's a low-down so-and-so and call his name. He didn't do that. He says, I was pressed out of measure above strength. I didn't even have the strength to handle it. And we despaired even of life. That word despaired, even of life, is the word exaporiomai. Apoyo, you remember the word apoyo? Apoyo means with no way out. It's that same word in Luke uh, twenty-one twenty-two, where there'll be dis- twenty-one twenty-five. Excuse me, where there'll be distress of nation with perplexity. That's the word apoyo. 
It means no way out. Exopoil my means absolutely no way out. We can't get out of this. They were trying to kill me, chasing me every day. But why was this happening to Paul's life? It was so that Paul was one of those that God foreknew, foreknow, prognosco. The doctors get the word prognosis from that. It means to know beforehand. This word prognosco means to know intimately ahead of time. God has a people that he foreknew ahead of time, and those are the ones that he has predestined prohorizo. But you can't even get to this point with these people that don't want to hear. It doesn't do any good to argue with people about the truth if they don't have ears to hear. Trying to tell them is a waste of your time and theirs. You don't have to fight people to get them to hear. If they're one of God's elect, they will hear when you tell them the truth. They may not hear today. Just tell them, I gave you the truth. You'll either hear it or you won't. I am not going to try to convince you of anything. That's where you need to come to. Don't fight people. If they belong to God, they will hear somewhere in life. Otherwise, they'll never hear. There are no vessels of wrath in the world that's ever going to hear. No goats are ever going to become sheep. All the sheep will come. Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. All of them, John six thirty seven. Now, here's the part they don't like. They think the Bible says, whom he did for no else didn't predestinate the end. No. Whom he did for no he also did predestinate. It's like saying Jim got in the car and drove. Drove where? For what? And you never ever address that again. Well, he drove, but what are you talking about? We've been predestined to. We've been predetermined for the light. That word horizo is our word horizon. It means to predetermine for the light. Light is truth. And that is something you do. This is what people don't understand. Predestination is about obedience to the word of God. That's what it's about. Nobody obeys God. Nobody seeks him and nobody will follow him if we do not have to kick ourselves in the hiney and make ourselves behave ourselves and get on the straight and narrow path. And we have a tendency to fight God on that while we're young up to a point and then God whacks us in the head about the 500th time with a ball batter with a 500-pound sledgehammer and we get in our head, I guess I have to do what God says. 
That's what predestination is about. It's about obedience. Everywhere you find man, whatever God has to do to cause us, whatever God has to do to cause us to obey Him. You remember faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance. Hypostasis. To stand under Faith is under standing. But the Bible says there is none that understandeth. Hupo means under. Stasis means to stand. And understanding or a hupostasis is a foundation. Understand. To stand under. A foundation of a house has to have an understanding. You can only build a house on a foundation. You can only build a building on a foundation. The word foundation is the word thamelios, T-H-E-M-E-L-I-O-S. Thamelios comes from the word tithamai. It means to lay out a foundation. You can only build a house on a foundation, it has to be mathematical, and if you understand, you are a learner. And remember, a learner was a disciple, a mathetes. You cannot build a house on a hill and try to get it to be balancing with the hill. If you do that, you'll end up with a house that's falling down. It has to be on a level. It has to have a foundation. And that's what this means right here. Substance hypostasis. And you cannot build a house on a foundation. Jesus said, you cannot, without a daily cross, you cannot be my disciple, my learner. You can't learn like Paul when he was in a jail unless you have a cross. And Paul had said, had so many crosses, he didn't know what to do with themselves. Everything that I'm talking about, every obedient verse, every subject I'm talking about has to do with what you're predestined to. You are predestined to be conformed. First part of that sentence has no meaning without the ending sentence. And you can't explain this to somebody to be conformed to the image of his son. Image, icon, means likeness. Everything in the Bible that tells us about the likeness of Christ what he was like. What was he like? 
This is what predestination's about. But people can't get a hold of it because they don't like it. I've thought about this for a long time. Why is it people hate it? First of all, they won't listen to the definition of it. They think that you and I believe, well, God just arbitrarily, he'll let Hitler go to heaven and he'll let Billy Graham go to heaven and he'll let all these heathens go to heaven and God just picks them out and no matter how they live, they just get to go and God's going to send some good men into hell. That's what they think. We believe. It's idiocy. Since nobody seeks God, God picks some people out and says, I'll birth you by my will and then you cannot live the way you want. You have to obey me if I am your father. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Adoption, huothosia, H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. Huothosia is a form of huios, which is the word sons. And tithome, it means to place. I'll get it in a minute. Tithome. It means to place sons. Only the father can place a son in the family. We cannot place ourselves in a family. And when we're placed in the family, he says, you will obey me and be like Jesus. And it will probably take me about 40 to 50 years to beat you with an inch of your life. I'll come close to killing my kids. But it doesn't matter if he kills us because we are his spiritual children. It don't matter what measures he has to take to make us behave. Divorce. Sickness. Bankruptcy. I've been through all of that. And you think you're going to die, and you don't. And you overcome all of that, and when you overcome all of it, you say, Thank you, Lord for causing me to be who I am today at 80 years old. But I couldn't have been this if I hadn't have gone through all of that just literal living hell on earth through the 60s and 70s and 80s. I couldn't be who I am today and 90s. I wouldn't be who I am without you nearly killing me in the hospital and on the highway I've been in car wrecks of flipped rigs just with some semis running straight at me. And it could have taken me out, but God saw fit not to do that. Because he wanted me to be who I am today, conforming to the likeness of Jesus. Everything that I... I can pick up a paper here. Here's a paper. This is on... This is on hypocrinomai, hypocrites, and hypocrites. Hypocrite, H-U-P-O-K-R-I-T-E. Hypocrites means under judge. It means an inferior judge. And a hypocrite... A hypocrite was a stage actor, a stage actor in the first century 
they called them hypocrites, hypocrites. You cannot be conforming to the image of Christ, his likeness, and be a hypocrite. You can't be acting. You can't act your way through this. If you are a hypocrite, then you are a living lie. If you don't make some effort when you walk out these doors, Lord, don't let me talk the way I used to talk. Don't let me get mad in the traffic. Lord, overcome me. Lord, help me with my sin. Does anybody pray for that? Huh? Well, you should be. Because a lot of that residue is left over when we're trying to grow in faith. And we need to be praying every day, Lord, help me with my sin. Help me get over it. It takes a long time to mature in those areas. So hypocrites, in fact, agape has to do with predestination. Agape, the two words for love, phileo and agape. When the Bible says God loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born, the word there is agape. Well, that word is directly connected to predestinate because 2 John 6 says, notice everything I'm teaching has to do with predestination. Predestination means to predetermine for the horizon or the light. Light is truth. Truth is something you do. And that is conforming to the likeness of Christ. You get into agape. This is agape that we walk after his commandments. Second John 6. That we walk after his commandments. That's the likeness of Christ, isn't it? Everything I'm teaching has to do with his likeness. When the Bible's talking about agape walking and his commandments, you got two subjects in the Bible. You got obedience to God. And when you obey, take your concordance and look up the word obey and make a copy of it. And it'll tell you you have to be obedient. You have to obey faith. Faith is death to self. Well, that's the same thing Paul was saying. I've learned in prison, after all I've been through, to push away self, and that is the likeness of Jesus. This is what these people don't understand when we're talking about predestination. It's being like Christ. It's being inside the light, inside the truth. And I can pick up any paper I've got here. It's doing the will of God. Jesus said, I came not to do mine own will. John 6, 39. I came to do the will of him that sent me. Will of him. If we do the will of God, God beats us and scourges us. So we can be a partake of us. God's holiness, his hagiosmos. And it comes from the word holy, hagios. It means to be single or pure. And what he's talking about, it means to be pure with our motives. And the only thing that will cause us to be that way is fire, trials, persecution, tribulation. 
this is all one subject. Predestination does not stand alone. It encompasses every subject we talk about. Can y'all see that? Huh? Every subject we talk about. Nothing I talk about doesn't have to do. You'll either be rebellious or you'll be obedient. And the only thing that'll beat rebellion out of you is fire. Why do you think you're going through what you're going through? Well, gosh, I've had enough of this. No, you haven't. (laughs) If you say I've had enough, you haven't had enough. If you say I'm mature, then you're not. It's when you just drop your head one day and you get old and you say, Lord, I deserve everything you've done to me. It's when you look back at your past and you're so ashamed of yourself. You feel terrible for having been what you've been. You ever been there? And when you become, when you see how immature you've been, it's when you come to a point and you do what Ezra, the ninth chapter, and you say this out loud to yourself. You say, Lord, you've punished me less than my iniquities deserve. You don't say, well, it's his fault or their fault. If they wouldn't do this to me, uh, you're not mature. I know that I deserve everything that God throws at me. I've been such an evil, wicked man. But Paul said, O wretched man, it is me. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? If there was an evil man, it was Paul because he murdered Christians for a living. Well, Jim, can you show me that? Yeah. Look at Acts the ninth chapter. People don't realize how evil Paul was. He wasn't a nice guy. He was going around killing Christians. Look here. Ninth chapter. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, phonos, P-H-O-N-O-S, murder. Paul was murdering believers. That's what he was going up there to Damascus for, to bring some back so they could kill him at Jerusalem. People say, well, I don't want to run around with him because he's an evil man. Well, so was Paul. So was the so was David. David committed adultery and murder, and then he wrote the Psalms about it. You think you're more evil than Paul? You think you're more evil than David? Has anybody ever killed? Has any of you men ever got one of your best friend's wife pregnant and then had her had him killed and then married her? Wow. And then the baby that she was pregnant with died, and then later on Bathsheba had Solomon, and it was planned by God for Solomon to build the temple from the foundation of the world, but not without murdering 
Uriah the Hittite. I can't understand that, but I believe it. I don't try to figure God out. I just believe him. Now, where was I? Saul, he says, I'm breathing out threatening and slaughter. And the the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that he, that if he found any of the, this way, this hodos, if he found any of the narrow way, he wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem and kill them. Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound on Jerusalem and they would slaughter them there. And then God struck him down on the Damascus Road in this chapter. And then Barnabas comes and takes him to the apostles in Jerusalem. And here's what, look in verse 23. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill Paul. But their lying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were terrified of Paul. Whoa, they were afraid of him. And he and believed not that he was a disciple. And Barnabas took him and brought... They, everybody was terrified of, of Paul or Saul. It's for his name, Paul. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem. Notice one thing about Paul. Nowhere in here does God appear to him and say, Would you like to accept me as your personal Savior? He didn't do that. He just struck him down and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he converted, snap of a finger, that quick. Everything that I've got a copy of everywhere, it says obey out of my concordance. Obedience, obedient, obey. And you can take a copy of out of your concordance and the Bible says in Romans 1 and 5, they were for obedience to the faith. You have to obey faith, and that's death to sell. Well, that's the image or the likeness of Jesus, isn't it? Isn't that what we're predestined to? <coughs> and the Bible says we have to be obedient to righteousness. In Romans 6, 16, we have to obey righteousness. The Bible says that more than once. When you look over here in 1 John, if you're obedient to righteousness, isn't that the likeness of Jesus, what we are predestined to? Well, that's too hard. That's for special Christians. That's for everybody that belongs to him. And if you live long enough, you'll either do this or he'll half kill you. You know how I know that? Boy, he half killed me. Stuck me in the hospital and nearly... I nearly died in the hospital. Well, I didn't nearly die. If I had, I'd have died. But 
I was very sick, man. I was so sick, I just said, threw my hands there and said, I surrender. And he says here in that all nations have to be obedient to the faith. That's the all flesh, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. Uh, we have to be obedient to Christ, Second Corinthians 10 and 5. Isn't that being like Jesus? Uh, in Hebrews 5 and 5, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. We have to learn to obey God by suffering tribulation and fire and trials. And that makes us come to the point of being like Jesus. We have to... I'll keep quoting it to you, but go over here to Isaiah 53. 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Now, if we are going to be like Jesus, let's just get it down flat, okay? Isaiah, 53rd chapter. And if you're going to be like Jesus, here's what you got to be like. 53rd chapter. This describes Jesus all through it. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, it's a reference to Christ, shall go up before God as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he'll come forth out of the dry womb of Mary. He'll be born of a virgin. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That's the way we've got to look from the world's viewpoint. There's no beauty in righteousness from the world's viewpoint. And when he was beaten on that, before he went to the cross, he had no beauty in him. He is despised and rejected of men. Is that like Jesus? Is that you? Somewhere you've got to take a stand for Christ where people want to despise you and reject you. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was acquainted with disesteem. Biza or Baza. B-A-Z-A-H is the word uh, is the word grief. And we esteemed him not. We esteem ourselves. Means disesteem or to be reproached or infamous. If he is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, is that the likeness of Jesus? What happens in your life when you get sorrowful as you get older? The older, you, the younger you are, the more you have these desires for success and I want to live in life so I can have a family and kids and, and have a car and house paid for. Let me tell you something. The greatest thrill I had in a house was buying a house about the first six months living in it. I bought a little house over here on Pebble Creek back in 1979 and I thought, this is amazing. 
I got a house. It's 1,100 square feet, and I have my own house. It wasn't no big deal to get my house paid for. When you get your house paid for, your insurance at 58 years old is going to be three times what your house payment was when you were 30. That's the truth. (laughs) When Mary retired from Kroger, we had to go on Cobra insurance. With her blood pressure, we had to pay $1,000 a month to cover her on Cobra insurance. It's a form of it's a form of Blue Cross, which they had at her work. But we went on, until she could draw her Social Security, we won $1,000 a month just for her, not for me. Mine was three or 400 a month. So we're paying 1400 a month for our insurance and our house note when we were 40 was $436 a month. So when you get a house paid for, don't think this is the end of the road. You're going to wrestle and fight with insurance. I had, I had a, before I went on, Mary had this Blue Rex, and she had this one insurance, and it was going to, and it was a bowel problem that we both had. It was a prescription drug. And I went to go get it one day, and it was going to be $568 a month just for this one prescription. You think you're, you're going to get old and it's going to get easy? It ain't. You're going to be fighting for insurance. And it took me three months to get right, and I was paying for the Blue Rex. You know why they charge so much for these prescription drugs? I'll tell you exactly why. Because they can. That's why they do it. And when you get to be 60, don't think you're over the hill because you're not. You're going to be fighting your insurance companies from now on. You think you're getting over the hill and you're going under the bridge. <laughs> yeah. I'm very saying you think you're going over the hill. You're going under the bridge is where you're going. It don't matter. And when you get a house paid for, it's no big deal. You say, well, I got 10 years to live. Gosh, what's what's this getting something paid for? It's welcome to the world of 2019. It's going to be expensive for the rest of your life. There is no getting away from it. So it works. All right, now where was I? We're talking about obedience. Everything I can pick up here, when I turn over here, I've got a list of verses in First Timothy. I, ha- I just put them on a piece of paper. The Bible says that Romans 12 and 9 Love, agape, I want to talk about why people don't believe it. 
they don't want to listen to the whole story that it's about being like Christ. And nobody is like Christ naturally because nobody seeks God. There's none that seeketh after God. That's about predestination. If you're going to be like God, you have to be whipped into it. Why do you think Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews says, in the 12th chapter, that God scourges every son he receives so we can be partaker of his holiness? Holiness, hagiosmos, H-A-G-I-A-S-M-O-S, comes from the word holy, which is the word hagios, and it means single or pure. And when you are pure, that's because you've gone through fire as God burnt out most of that outer man, which is self. And you serve the flesh with the outer man, and that's not like Christ. But the inner man is Christ in you, and that's the part of you that can't sin. Whosoever born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he's born of God. But that outer man can sin. He can't quit sinning. But that's not like Jesus. The inner man is like Christ, what we're predestined to. Get it? So whatever you're going through, you're supposed to. Think it not strange concerning the fire trial which is to try you did any of you get upset at your enemies or why people are doing you wrong you're not supposed to do that but you're not old enough to quit doing that you're going to have to hit 55 or 60 or somewhere 65 say I can't fight these people no more I, I had to become a little boy again and say I can't fight no more I can't I can't do this if you'll fight for 50 years just fight for 50 years if you start fighting maybe at 18 you'll fight for 50 years you'll be about 68 you'll say I'm tired of fighting I can't handle this no more I won't I have people coming here who want to fight me and make all kinds of accusations against me and I'll just say God's punishing me less than my iniquities deserve I feel like, David, you want to throw stones at me? Throw stones. God has been you to throw stones. You're throwing stones because of things I've done in my past, and God's reminding me that I can't do that again. If the righteous scarcely be saved, mogus, with great difficulty. The reason God's making your life difficult, anytime you find the word troubled, tribulation, they're usually thalipsis. Look up these words in your concordance, find out what they are, and that's the narrow way. And the narrow way is God's whipping so we can be like Jesus. That's what we're predestined to. And the older you get, the closer to death you get, the more like Christ you become. Just pray, Lord... Come upon my life and let me get to be about 65 or 70. Lord, I know that I'll be more mature by then. Won't you? (laughs) But you have to learn that. 
whatever you go through is for your good. But you can't explain this to somebody who wants to say, you believe it, you're good to go to heaven no matter what you do. You're an idiot. It takes an ignoramus to believe that. Everything we teach, I can reach down and pick up a piece of paper. Here's the word prognosco. Prognosco, for whom he did foreknow. Prognosco, no intimately ahead of time. Let's look at just a couple of these words. Uh, look in Acts 26.5. People who don't want to hear, they don't want to learn. They don't want to obey because hear and obey are the same word in the Hebrew. The hearing and the seeing eye of the Lord has made both of them. Shama is the word hear. It's the word obey also. It's also the word hearken. Look here in Acts 26. Here's the same word whom he did foreknow. And you can get this out of the out of this right here. Every time it's mentioned, you look up your Strong's number, the word study concordance will tell you every time it's mentioned in the New Testament. This word prognosco is mentioned five times in Acts twenty six and five. It's the word prognosco to know in it will be ahead of time. Acts 26 and 5. This is where Paul's over in jail. He's been taken to Rome. 26, 5. And they're fighting over Paul. He's actually in the presence of Agrippa. And then the Romans are going to take him and send him to Rome. 26 and 5. He says here, talking about let's read down to it he says to Agrippa in verse 2 I think myself happy King Agrippa because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews Agrippa was was a Herod king in Israel especially because I have known thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, therefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life, my youth, which was at the first among thine own nation at Jerusalem, known of the Jews, which knew me from the beginning. Which knew is the word prognosco. He said those people knew me from the beginning, from the time I was a little child. And then look at Romans 11 and 2. Go to Romans 11. Here's the word again. So whom he did foreknow, or he knew intimately ahead of time, Romans 11 and 2. Romans 11, 2. He says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a, bodies a living sacrifice. You can't give a sacrifice anywhere in the Bible unless you're a priest. 
The Bible says God hath made us priests and kings. That's how we give our bodies a living sacrifice on a daily cross. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, your logikos, L-O-G-I-K-O-S. We got our word logical from that, and with the word, it comes from the word logos. It's a word service. It comes from the word of God. That's our logical service. Logikos. And be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable. I'm reading chapter 12, excuse me. Well, that's good anyway. 11 and 4, or 11 and 2. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Means to know intimately ahead of time. It's the same word in Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow. Same word, prognosco. And then he says over here in 1 Peter 120, 120, 1 Peter 1, This is every time this word is mentioned. If you don't have a word study concordance, get one. How much time do I have, Mike? 16. All right. I'm going to stay on this subject because people don't know why people are disagreeing with them. They don't even want to hear your details on, on predestinate. They don't want to hear it. We were trying to talk to that guy the other day. I just kept saying, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says... God loved Jacob and hated Esau before either one were born, before either one had done any good or evil. He had no answer for that. He didn't know what to say to it. He has no answer. Before they'd done any good or evil, God loved Jacob and hated Esau. You get that? Why somebody will fight that, I don't know. First Peter 1, 20. First Peter 1, verse 20. One twenty. Speaking of Christ, who was, who verily was foreordained? Speaking of Christ, it's talking about a who. It's not talking about a what. Who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He was foreordained before the world began. And then one other time, Second Peter three, seventeen. Second Peter three. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the air of wickedness fall from your steadfastness. So it is the word it is the word 2.17 I, I, I can't read here. It's the word no 
before. You know before. The word know before is the word prognosco. So when you're... The word to be conformed is twice in the New Testament. To be conformed. Sumorphos. I'm going to give you the times this is used. You can't define these words and come up with anything other than predestination. Sumorphos. It means to be shaped. Sum is a word. It's connected. It means to be blended in fellowship with, to be shaped in fellowship or to be blended together. The only way you can be shaped into the image of Christ is to be blended together with people of like mind. That's the only way. You can't just go off and stand alone and say, I believe the Southern Baptist preacher over here and what he says. Well, he's ignorant. Southern Baptists don't believe what they believed 150 years ago. They were founded on the doctrines of predestination. The Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, largest Southern Baptist seminary in the world, was founded on the doctrines of predestination by B.H. Carroll. And every Southern Baptist knows B.H. Carroll. And it's not anywhere in sight down there in Fort Worth. So was Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Founded on these doctrines, and they don't believe in them anymore. Now, look here in Philippians 3, 10. This is one of my favorite verses on this. Philippians, this is, you've got there in, in uh, Philippians 3, 10. 3.10. I love this because this is the same word as sumorphos being shaped in fellowship with. And Paul says in verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You have to have the fellowship of his suffering in order to be made conformable to his death. To be made conformable is one word. It's the word sumarphos. It's the same word as to be conformed to his image. It's that word. It, you can't conform to the death of Christ and die daily without fellowship without being in fellowship with other believers who believe the truth. I have people call me from California and say, what am I going to do out here? There's nobody to fellowship with out here. I try to get on the phone. I try to get Tom to contact somebody, try to get him uh, to call him. And, but there's people call me from all over the country and say, we're on TV in about 350, 400 towns and cities. And you cannot, a lot of people call me from Louisiana and from Texas say, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have any fellowship here. It takes the fellowship of his suffering to conform unto his death. And his death was on a cross, and our death will be on a daily cross. Death to self. That's what faith is. But you try to explain this to somebody who hates predestination 
you're bumping your head against a wall. It doesn't do any good. Best thing you can do is tell those people that want to fight you, you're going to die in your sin and be in hell one day. And that's all I've got to say. If God doesn't deal with your heart, you will die and go to hell. When you're coming up against something that you have no way of winning, there's no need to fight it. I've asked people here several times, how many of you here argue with your in-laws or argue with somebody about these truths? Don't do that. If you said the truth to them after the second admonition, if they're a heretic, hereticos, That's the word. A man that is a heretic after the second admonition, reject him. He subverts his own soul. Titus 3.10. If he's a heretic, we get the word heresy. H-E-R-E-S-Y. It is the word H-A-I-R-E-S-I-S. Heresis. It means to choose for oneself a heresis or a heresy a heresis was a boundary line that men set it was the same thing as a denomination a denomination a heresis means to set up a boundary line and choose your own beliefs it means free will not free will, self-will. It just means set up your own boundary and say, this is what I believe, what the Southern Baptists believe, what the Pentecostal believes, and you want studies for yourself. Talking to somebody like that is a waste of time. We're not looking to convince goats to believe sheep food. I... I quit talking to people probably faster than anybody here. <laughs> I give people. But you know what that does? It frees me up to witness more. I'm not sitting around arguing with some guy like I used to in my 40s. My 30s, I'd argue with a fence post. I just sit there and say, you're not a fence post. Yes, I am. You're not. And here's, I can prove that. You look like a ball bat. Well... It doesn't do any good to fight people. Have you not figured that out yet? All we're looking for, I don't, I'm not talking about being nasty to people and being sharp with people, but I'm also not talking about going out to dinner with them and going to their house and sitting around with them, joking and laughing about jokes and, and some TV show. I'm not talking about that. You got to be polite to everybody. Be polite to the checkers down at the grocery store. Be polite to the person at the service station. I'm polite to everybody. Everybody. <clears throat> they see my shirt. I wear shirts. God doesn't love everybody. Predestination is the only truth. Predestination is the only way to heaven. It's the only way to heaven because if God doesn't preordain Himself a people, nobody's going since none seeks after God. I will say, I'll say the quickest, 
I won't ever be insulting. But I'll say the quickest to the point things to people. Always boom like that. Just something that will will maybe wake them up and get their attention if they are elect. But I've noticed you can't hardly talk to anybody in the world. People are not interested. But does that stop me? Does that stop me from witnessing to people? No, it's not. And people, once in a while, they'll see me in public and say, you're that guy on TV. I say, yeah, well, let me give you something. I reach in my pocket and pull out a DVD and hand it to them. I've had people tell me how they're going to come here. I have, I give away DVDs every day, sometimes two, three, four a day. I've never had one person call me. My job is not to get them to respond. My job is to give the truth to them. And then at the judgment, God will say, you had it in your hand. You're accountable. I'm not trying to convince anybody. I just talk. Same way I'm talking to you right now. I just say a few words. Sometimes I'll say the Lord this or God that or and I've learned not to fight people. Everything we say is either about the likeness of Jesus or unlike Christ. Unlike Christ. It's either conforming to his image or not conforming. And not conforming is rebellion on the part of believers. I hope you all can understand. Don't try to convince anybody. But don't stop witnessing. But don't be pushy. Just say what you can when you can and leave it alone. I don't know. Maybe somewhere down the road somebody will call me and say, I had a guy call one time. He said, I found one of your cassettes on top of a trash pile in California. Somebody called me one time and said, I got a hold of one of your, your, uh, the big tapes we used to give away. VCR tapes, yes. What is it? VCR tapes. VCR tapes. They said, I found one of your VCR tapes. It's really interesting. I said, where'd you get it? Some guy in Klamath Falls, California gave it to me. I don't know what's going to happen with these people. I just say, here, take this. Watch that. It's interesting. And I have people that swear they're going to watch it. And that I would think they're really going to watch it, but they don't. And if they do, they don't call me. I'm not worrying about who's converted. My concern is whether I'm faithful to Christ being like him. Are you being like Jesus? Now, I'm going to have to go through poor in spirit, meek, gentle, goodness, all the characters of Christ. I'm going to have to go through all that list of things and the fruit of the Spirit. Besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith. All the things there in Second Peter 1 and 5 and go into all the things that they're connected to. And that's the likeness of Christ. We will never, everything in predestination has to be 
the reason he's predestined us to a spanking to a to a difficult time is to cause us to give up self or the unlikeness of Christ and to take on his likeness do y'all understand this really I hope you hope you can say yes is it difficult to do don't try to do it don't try to get yourself in a situation where you're going to be breathing real hard going, oh God I got to talk to this person just say what you can be simple about it just say well if that's what Jesus wants me to do I'll do that or if that's what God wants sometimes just put the Lord in it a little bit and see what happens you don't ever know Am I out of time? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for truth. Help us to be like you. Lord, that's a long, long journey. I pray for the youth here, the young people. Lord, I'm talking about everybody that's under 50. So they can learn how to be like you. That's what this whole thing's about. And this is what people don't understand. They think they know when they don't know nothing. Fight our battles. We don't want to fight nobody. You fight our battles. Lead us in every way you'd have us to go. I give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. But everything that's in the Bible is about either being like Christ or being unlike Him. Holding grudges. I mean, like from way back when my kid kids were young and people did stuff to them. <laughs> I still <laughs> harbor for that. And well, it's just it takes me. takes a long time to just accept things the way they are. Well, and I know. And it just, the Lord says He will repay. Yep. You know, I said that thing reading about what 
Jesus went through, how they hated him and all that. Don't have gone through nothing. No. Uh-uh. We live in so much comfort, it's awful hard to understand that. Yeah. But this little thing, you think, oh, well, we say, they don't know It's it's difficult to know how to be like him. That's difficult. I think you just have to get so tired and so sick. You have to get just that you can't handle your own health. Like Milton. That's a that's a sore. Like Milton. Milton just says. Hey, you Rusty. What are you doing? Thank you, Jim. That was really awesome tonight. Well, it makes us know who God is and who we are not. Well, you know, and, and what you're saying too, you're not going to out-debate anybody that's going to make a... If it's you like, win a debate with them, what, it's, what do you it's win? Just like, it's a waste just, of breath. It's just like that fighting you in. You ain't going to whip everybody. You're going to get old and to a point and say, gosh, I don't want to fight no more. Yeah, I've had it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had it with the fight and I can't stand it. Hey Tim, what things are you off? And I'll bring your original back out. Yeah, that was really the Well, you got the I got here for some night service. So, but I, hey. I faced her one last time. But don't fight her. Just leave her alone. Tell her you're going to die in your seat and be in hell one day. And I don't have anything else to say. If she don't want the truth, she don't want You can't make people believe the truth by being convincing. There's no way to convince a goat to become a sheep. That's right. That's exactly true. No truth? Yeah, why? Who did? You want me to take these? Yeah, I'm going to give them. You want me to take these? 
or take one of them. Oh, she does. Okay. Hey, I love you. I love you too. I had a guy. There, guys. there was a guy in church that we used to go to. He used to say, he used to yell out to the pastor, "Make it plain." But, I don't know what it, I don't know what else say. Don't make it plain. But he never made it plain. This is so easy to understand. Well, how are you going to get somebody to believe if they're ghosts? So eat this sheep food. They don't like sheep food. Yeah. 